0: What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Hey, I'm sitting here on a Saturday, and I'm with James Kaufman. And before we get in, because this is going to be a great interview, I just want to say thank you guys. As we head into the holiday season, always want to thank our Must Read Alaska listeners, readers, and supporters. Without you guys, we would not be where we are, so thank you. And we are well on our way to getting 25,000 likes on Facebook as well as 150 reviews on the Apple Podcast app. So if you haven't had a chance to like us on Facebook or give us a five-star review on the podcast app, we'd love for you to be able to do that because it just helps tremendously. So once again, thank you guys. And I'm excited today because I'm talking here with James Coppin. James, thanks for joining with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks. Absolutely. Listen, we talked maybe a year ago almost to the day. Uh, very, very close. And uh, you had just got in. You were elected and, uh, you had a great campaign. We kind of, before we started recording, we talked about this with your wife, you two campaigned incredibly in a very blue district
1: and you guys won. Well, I, I would say not a, a blue district. Um, it, you know, the South Anchorage, the district 28 that I yeah. was in, um, it, it was, it's kind of a, a moderate R or s- okay. s- in aggregate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to the extent that it was blue, it was a, a district in which Trump lost, Right. Um, but, but I won, so other uh, kind of nominally Republican districts, uh, Trump won. So sure. a little tight on the margins, but, okay. but we made it. Awesome, yeah.
0: And now you're a year, I mean, we're about a year from now, and so I think it would be great is you to just maybe just overall talk about your year that you've had, obviously a year under your belt, um, and, and what was that like? How has it been being in the position of
1: the rep in Juneau, all of that What's that kind of like for you since it's your first time? Well, one thing that, you know, people say, what surprised you? And I guess it's, you know, there's a point where you realize that the weight uh, of, of what you, you took on, I mean, you knew it, you imagined it, but there's a point where it actually becomes real. Right. And, and so, uh, you know, house districts, as, uh, as they were constructed in 28 when I, I ran the first time, you know, you got 17 odd thousand people, you realize that, Hey, there's 17,000 people who in the district and, you know, 700 plus in the state that their hopes and dreams are in some way pinned to my decisions. Right. And it, you think, well, you're going to run for office. You ought to realize that. And I'm saying, yeah, you realize it intellectually, but if you've, if you got a heart, there's a point where you really feel it Mm -hmm. and, and it's a deeper level and it, there's more emotion in all of this than, and me, I'm kind of a practical, technical guy. Sure. And so for me to say that, my, my wife's probably uh, in the background <laughs> shaking her head, but yeah, it, you feel it, Yeah. You know? and so that, that was weighty. And then also, you know, there's the tension, um, and it's the tension of Alaska that's projected into the legislature because we were, uh, in the end, a very divided house Yeah. and we were that way by who was sent there yeah and and so uh everything that was seen with organizing um with you know the about a month of grueling efforts to to try and hold a majority um or to create one um there was a lot of work there that maybe people didn't realize and and so sometimes you hear those people they're not doing anything well we weren't doing anything legislatively but boy was there a lot of work going on uh to try and, and define a, a majority that you know that w- where we would have a Republican majority, it, it didn't hold. Yeah. Um, and th- in part, though, that's the nature of the beast right now, mm-hmm. how divided we are, where we have a House that could be so split, yeah. where just a few people can make a difference. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I know a lot of people don't understand
0: the background and what's going on because you don't see it, right? That's not being reported on all the stuff. What you see is sort of the the best headlines available. Uh, and as we've talked about, it's hard to, it's hard to discuss a paragraph when people are reading headlines, right? Just, it's easier sound bites when they're shorter and and digestible. And, uh, one of the things that I saw in your, your time there over the last year is that you've been a man of your word and, uh, in, in terms of a lot of things, but mostly what you promised on the campaign that you would do has been, uh, what you've held true to. And I think that's something that if, um, you know, as moving forward, obviously, in, in, in re-elections and stuff like that, I think people can say that, you know, my rep, James Kaufman, actually held to his word, uh, which is great. How is it—I'm going to take a little bit of a different turn here. Um, you've talked to me a lot. You spent a lot of time in your office. You were a busy guy. <laughs> 12 hours, 10-hour days. Uh, did you Easy. expect? Did you expect that type of, like,
1: not just commitment, but— time in your office? I guess, I, I guess I did. Yeah. Um, I've always been, um, you know, in, in my career, uh, before I retired, I, I always kind of stuck with it and, and, you know, I've been called a workaholic. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, I just think it's, you know, you, you do what you like and, and, yeah. and it, it, you know, it's fascinating. And, what I guess what is even more compelling with this when when you do a job in in the private sector, mm-hmm. usually it has a kind of a narrow focus yeah uh, in the public sector i mean you 're hearing about fish problems you 're hearing about you know yeah. uh, resource development you know the the spectrum of of what you can get engaged with and the desire to try and absorb all that to, to have the best learning curve i mean you, you know you, you take this on and you and it, I tell people, well, you know, I, I, I under promised in that I didn't go in saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I, I said, I'm going to go in and learn about this. And th- this is where I'm going to try and take us. Right. And so I, it's a a good checklist. And it's one, like you said, that I, I can go down and I can say, here's what I said and here's what I did. Right. And it's very consistent. Um, but what, what the core part of that, and I'm on the record on, on, you know, video, whatever. Yeah. Saying, I need to go down there and find out, understand the problem more before I can give you a better solution. Right. And so that was that ask of myself was that I just need to go down and absorb. So that's one reason why, yeah, I'm I'm often, you know, one of those lights on in the <laughs> Capitol when... You get from a fire hose, and maybe because everybody else already understands the issue, and they, they right. don't need to be there. And, sure, but but it's a learning curve. Your first year, if you're really digging in. Well, I think that was also refreshing—the fact that you're
0: like, "Hey, listen, I don't have all the p- answers to all the problems,
1: uh, but I do need to understand them so I can have the best answer to the problems." And and, and to that, and you you really do get access to information down yeah. there. I mean, um, you know, some people like to discount uh, our our legal. Uh, Advice down there yeah. and our financial advice that we get down there is that, that it's biased and okay, I, I get it. But actually, you know, if you get numbers on a spreadsheet and, and you're looking at them, yeah, there are numbers that you may not have had as a citizen, uh, in a density sure. and complexity. And you're, you're, if you stare at all of it and you absorb it, you can figure out at least what you think about the facts as you have them.
0: And I think that's another key thing. We talked about this with the Alaska Policy Forum, is that a lot of times people don't realize that you have information to make uh, the best possible decision. But not only just that, is that sometimes the public doesn't get all the information, not for some secretive stuff, but it's just like you're getting real-time information.
1: Yeah, unless the public you know wants to make a 12-hour job of it. And, <laughs> it, it, and a lot of this information is hard to surface. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. And, and to that point, let's transition to some of
0: the policy stuff that you've you ran on and actually are implementing now. In the two areas I know because I spent time with you on your campaign and we did a video and some, some other things was you were looking at how do, we, how do we get away from just reckless spending and actually manage that spending. And I use the word reckless. You didn't. But really kind of sure up our spending. And then the other time, the other thing is, is really kind of process management. Like, how do we improve processes? How do we improve that? And so I think a lot of people are interested in that because it affects their life. You know, how much money we're spending and where that money's coming from is a big deal. And then secondarily, are we being um, economical? Are we being lean? Are we being efficient with how we're, our processes, and, and that includes money? So can you talk a little bit about your time in Juno and how you've really taken those two policies? Uh, and particularly, I know that you have something that, has been really
1: great when it comes to the process management and, and, and,
0: and all that. So why don't you share a little bit about that
1: with us? Sure. Um, it, as a Republican, I, I ran a little bit of a different campaign than some. Um, I did not focus on a specific PFD or, or promising a, a larger PFD. What, what I was explaining to people was my perspective that the PFD is a result of how well we're managing Yeah, you know, and where we're putting our money. And if we were to get better control, if we were to you know try and drive down our costs while also pushing performance of, of agencies that are in the government, that we could like a company that is 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 reforming its processes and trying to do improvements, we could find out that basically we're we're profiting more. Well, uh, in in government, what that means is you're just not burning as much cash and you're still delivering the same product or maybe even a better product. So. When I went down there, it was with the promise I would look for that right and, and that so that 's what the focus has been so the big one the big first promise was that I was for a a more effective spending cap right We have one right now, and the dang thing would allow you to spend about double what we're currently spending, so that's not a cap on anything right um, then you also have people that look at uh the five percent p o m v uh, of, on our permanent fund, that that caps what you can take, so that that's an effective spending. So cap. when you say POMV, percentage you... of market value, there you go. Okay. And, and that's probably something that deserves its its own whole you know conversation. It, it gets complicated, but basically it's a system of of averaging uh, of, over a trailing five years yep. of of the permanent fund value, and then taking a five percent draw from that as a way to kind of level and modulate our, our draw from the permanent fund to, and that's through a particular formula Yes, that
0: everybody talks about the PFD yeah. formula. Yeah. The, yeah.
1: Yeah. It, the, it doesn't address how the money is split. Sure. It addresses what's taken out of it. So, but what some people do, uh, they see that and they say, well, we have a cap because that's all, that's all we can pull out. And the problem is they're neglecting the rest of the economy. Right. Um, so new taxes or, um, you know, uh, so do, do we go tax the oil industry more? Well, that's not covered under that, right? right so yeah. what, or do we create uh sales tax, income tax, all that. So my, my focus was first, we need a good cap. And so what we designed, and, and when I say we, it's because there's staff involved and there's mm-hmm. experts and people that you're working with. And so, you know, it, it, if I say, I, it's just a mistake. Sure. Um, it's we. Um, so, what we came up with was a cap that was based upon a percentage of our private sector economic performance. Okay, it says uh, to the government, you can spend, and this is a constitutional amendment, you can spend up to X percentage of what the private sector is doing. Now, the reason for that is to keep the government linked to private sector performance. Mm-hmm one of my big concerns is that as the permanent fund grows and it becomes, you know, if you think of it as a trust fund that's funding government, well, if there's no reason for the government to care about the health of the private sector, because it's already funded by the permanent fund. Right. And what's to cause it to care about the kind of uh, development that really um, creates prosperity. and, And so that's, you know, resource development projects, all of that. Now it will still want you know, the, the service sector, um, you know, to, to just make life easier. Right. But how are we really going to grow and develop as a state? So with, with that spending cap, we're trying to control multiple things. One, um, the growth of government spending to, to just not cut it drastically as much as just create a leveling process so that Mm -hmm. we don't overspend in times of peak revenues. Right. That's a, that's the boom bust story of Alaska. So what the cap does, it'll, it'll sweep, forward billions, uh, by preventing them from being spent, rolls them in, into the future. And if we'd had it in place before, we would not have overspent on capital projects that were not maybe well sorted out and we wasted money, and right. and or we create a boom in doing capital projects, which then later we can't afford to maintain, right. because... I I call it the lottery syndrome. So you win the lottery, you go build a big house and then you find out, well, how much it costs to run and maintain that house
0: lighting, water, the works
1: maintenance. And, and so you have to pull in periods of peak revenue. You have to pull down your spending more effectively than what we've been doing, which rolls those billions. We're talking billions rolls. It's Carl Sagan money, billions and billions. (laughs) It rolls it forward. And, and so my point being a, a cap, doesn 't have to cut brutally if it if it just uh, controls and because we we make money, we just don 't always do well with it, you know especially when we have a bunch of it sure so um, so that spending cap is key, and it 's an initiative i 'm going to keep going with it I, We introduced it in multiple special sessions mm-hmm. as for me, the foundational thing a good cap needs to be in place. Um, at a time when we 're talking about massive fiscal reform, yeah. um, all the all the issues you know that were, were surfaced during these special sessions about are we going to have new taxes or are we you know wh- yeah. what are we going to do and i 'm saying well whatever you 're going to do, have a, a dang good cap in place right. that 's going to yeah. actually uh, keep us from getting into trouble if we open up a new source of revenue, so if you want a sales tax to to fund government and and while doing a larger PFD well, then you better figure out a way to keep that thing under control because otherwise you're open in the barn and the horses are going to be out and you'll be wondering what happened.
0: Right. And so so for those of you who are not familiar with sort of this whole idea, it's essentially saying we're going to spend no more than this amount, anything over we're going to put away in case of a rainy day or or a capital project or
1: port maintenance or ferry system or whatever it is. It helps provide a cushion Yeah, or or for operating costs in a period of a shortfall. Yeah, And totally. so that, that's why you know, so you can cap where just know that money, <clears throat> you know, just. It, it's not being spent and you might, so you might not even go out and seek the revenue. Right. That'd be one thing. Or if, if you're able to sweep it forward and replenish the CBR and and, you know, and, and so now you, you have a leveling mechanism. Right. And the end result of that as being better managed, just like a business. Yeah. Um, So if you're better managed, you're more predictable um, with, with this having this five-year rolling average of a spending estimate Um, that's developed Mm -hmm. as a result of this process, you have visibility on your future budgets. You don't have to guess. Not only that, but you're able to plan better as well. It gives you foresight that's Instead of being reactive, you can be much better at proactive. That's everything. Yeah. So if you think of the challenge of Alaska, so we're boom bust, right. you know, and, and I, I sat on a plane with, with an old longtime Alaskan and he's, he sat there and he told me from his perspective, the whole story of the boom and bust in Alaska, Right. you know, everything from crabs to fur. you know, <laughs> and he said, we got up to, to oil and he says, I don't know what the next one is, but it's coming. Right. And he could be right. I Absolutely. hope he is, but I hope when it hits, we have better process controls in place. You know, if if you think of government as a process, just like a, a a manufacturing or a a chemical production process, if you have control limits that keep the thing from blowing up on you or or going haywire, you in, you'll just manage better. And the, the things that we're fighting over now, had this been in place with like 18 billion billion swept into the future and like 3 billion saved and, you know, that's the constitutional limit. Would have saved about three, and would have swept eighteen billion forward in time. Right. And what I'm referring to. On akrepkaufman.com, mm-hmm. um, th- there is a page there uh, that's my website, and it has the spending cap explanation. So, the graphs and the video and everything right. that explains this in more depth. So, if, if this is too much to hear in, in just this <laughs> hearing, there's, there's more there at akrepkaufman.com.
0: Absolutely. And I think also the idea is, is that when you added revenue into the, the system of government, uh, generally the idea is, well, we have more money, let's spend it. And, that's it. and That's not a great mechanism to use. It's more, now we have an additional sense of revenue, let's look at how we can continue forward and keep our spending at where it's at. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's, it's sort of like having a child who gets $2 and wants to spend it right away on candy as opposed to saying, well, let's build up so you can either get
1: something that you really want in the future versus... Just blowing yeah. your money. It's it's the why can't we have nice things? Yes. Question. Yeah. And this <laughs> is why. <laughs> yeah. And, and and you know in life if and uh, I joke you know with Nancy sometimes about way back in time earlier in our our married life when I pointed at a spreadsheet and I said at this point X we're going to retire with that right and it, w- it was just simple spreadsheet yeah and and uh, lo and you know at that point that looked nuts. Yeah. Um, but in the end it was more than true. I mean, we did even better. And it was just from having good process controls from not from, you know, earn as much as you can, um, without, you know, risking your health or, you know, whatever, you know, and as a state, we don't want to risk our environment. We don't want to risk all that, but we, we want to be well-employed. Um, a lot of the social issues that we have, if people are better employed and, and they're in a state that's, you know, managed more for that, you know, steady-state operating process and people are employed. We don't have boom-bust cycles, or we can minimize the effects, the damage of them. Then I think a lot of the things that we're fighting, um, societally and yeah. then also economically, um, at the point that we're at right now, we could have managed through some of those if we had uh, processes that kept us within a, a better operating band. Yes, I think that's totally reasonable. I also think once again, it's
0: one of the things that you ran on that I that I I see. Uh, at least if you're paying attention to the sessions, that you're constantly bringing up continuously. Another thing in that same policy mindset is process improvement. Mm -hmm. And how do we become better, more efficient, better processes, so that, in essence, the money that we are spending is spending effectively and efficiently and not just, here you go, you're not throwing money at it and hopefully something sticks and then the rest of it just falls away. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe some initiatives that
1: you've been working on? Sure. And and there's... Uh, there's lots to tell there. We don't right. have enough time. I'm going to try and keep it brief, but yeah. So, as a as a candidate, I had my list of issues, and and now as a representative, I have my checklist of and where am I? Right. And so, and I I'm pretty much there. But my goal is to say, I, I'm doing everything that I said I would do. Right. And it's it's a weird feeling to look at at it and say, well, I'm a, I am, I'm right. doing it. And, and so it's, it's really important to me. Um, I, I ran on the spending cap because I wanted to control spending. What we came up with was a spending cap that also has beneficial controls in that it keeps the government interested in the private sector. Right. So that's a, a great control mechanism. It's one thing if you're telling the government what you can spend, it's another if you're saying what you're spending is, is controlled by the health of our private sector. Right. And so, and it's doing it without taxes. It's doing it by saying you can only se- spend a percentage of, of what uh, the private sector is doing. Right. Not what the permanent fund is doing. Right. Of what, of what our actual economy. It keeps is doing.
0: Alaskans free from possible state income tax, sales tax, and so forth.
1: And it marries the state to the performance of our private sector, which. Which that, is an incentive. Which is an incentive. So not only is it a cap, it, it's a cap and a beneficial control. Right. It, it's it, it's beneficial ties linkages, and so so that okay. So now we're making the government care about the private sector more than it will if it's a trust fund government operating on a hundred billion dollar fund or one hundred twenty or whatever it gets to, right. where all they care about are pizzas and bars, right? right. Um, or some tourism, right. They don't care about the, the big stuff that really makes the big money and, and, and really employs a, a lot of people. That's our, our natural resource development. Right. So you've got that. So then as we're controlling the money and making government care about our private sector economic performance, now let's work on how do we link our budgeting process with our performance management process. Right. Right now, it, we we budget, so basically it's, well, what did we spend last year? Uh, well, we're going to spend about that, and what are we going to do? Well, we're going to keep doing the same thing we've been doing. Right. That's pretty much what the budget subcommittee, and then people quibble about, well, you know, we want a few less positions here. or Oh, no, we want more positions. So it's left and right is having a tug of war around a, a piece of government and how many little widgets are in it or aren't, and right. then, you know, so it's not really productive. Um, what we can do is, is create a much more performance oriented, a goal oriented where, um, you have, uh, from like top to bottom, a coherent set of priorities that are being driven. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're being driven and they're being touched upon at the budgeting process and, and where you're doing a, a deeper look at the actual performance and the, in the what. So right. what are we doing with this money and are we getting our value out of it? Are we doing the right things? Or are we on the right mission? Right. So it's a mission and performance, um, type of management process. Now I have not presented this yet, but it's in the, in the works. Okay. So that that's coming. So you've got a good spending cap. Now that's going to be hard to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, it, you're talking a constitutional amendment, you know, <laughs> but I'm going to keep presenting it, sure. and explaining it, and as I get more support from the public and and from you know others, there, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. We didn't get into our financial situation in, in a day. Right. Um, we're dealing with problems that have been built up, you know, since statehood, right, yeah. or, or before, at least over the past decade. So, this is a long-term project. Then these process controls, so that's coming, and there's some pieces of it that are out there already. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the little bills uh, that we did uh, was just a a bill for document reduction. It, it, It tells the executive branch to take a look at all of the documents that you're producing, you know, reports and all these publications and everything. Yeah. Take a look at them and see, A, what do you not need to produce anymore, what's not value-added information, and what especially do you not need to print anymore could be delivered electronically. Mm -hmm. Right. Simple little improvement. How much will it save, I don't know, but it's like the first step and just starting to say – hey here 's an area of improvement right um, another area that that we did um, and th- there was a bill uh, hb sixty three that went through the house, and it was around the the board that oversees the marine highway system and there There were efforts to try and make a, a better board um, that would would be able to guide you know the marine highway system better and uh, so it 's a majority bill i 'm in the minority mm-hmm. and we became interested in it, and so I started digging into it. And what we found is that we could put some actual improvement processes in there. Sure. So we started doing amendments. And so, folks that aren't in in the game in Juneau won't understand. But for a minority member to be able to push, you know, ten plus um, amendments, uh, amendments yeah. into the speaker's uh, bill for the ferry system, which, uh, speaker students cares deeply about the marine highway system. It's, it's, you know, the, the joke is fish and ferries, right? So, um, if you're on Kodiak, it's big stuff. Um, and I think at first there was the like, Oh, is it a poison pill? Am I trying to ruin the thing or whatever? I don't know if that was the thought, but we had, we got a lot of interest where people started coming. But in the end we got all of those amendments through to create a board that, actually was competency based not like a political uh, right type you know we all have seen that not bureaucracy it has a requirement that if it has if it lacks a competency that it report that out right. uh, it gives them ability the ability to to issue like a corrective action th- to say hey you 've got a, um, if you see a, a problem mm-hmm. that hey fix this it 's right. a, a thing so it created more like what you would see in a corporate world where if you had a management um, responsibility where you actually uh, had to have the competencies. And if you had a gap, you had to recognize that gap. And then you could actually say, hey, this really needs to be fixed and issue a a report on that. So um, that ended up getting uh, baked into the House bill. Um, Then we helped it get through the Senate. It's signed into law. So I mean, it's not my bill. Um, And the marine highway system sure wasn't one of my big issues. You know, in South Anchorage, it's not a, a core issue. But that kind of improvement process of pushing that in. So it took a lot of work, but it, for a first year in the legislature, um, to be able to actually change statute yeah. in a way that's consistent with what I promised, mm-hmm. that felt pretty dang good. Well, not only that, it's a, it's, it's a majority bill. Uh, it brings
0: in some accountability, which is always good in government. Mm-hmm. Uh, transparency is another great one. So I thought that was a huge win. You told me about that. I thought, man, that's a, that's a huge win. And a coup, again, to what you
1: ran on and what you're trying to do. Obviously, the ferry system is a big topic right now. Well, n- now, and the timing of it. So now this big influx of federal money coming From in. From the infrastructure bill, for sure. And thankfully, um, that l- little bill, yeah. it, 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 one of the big problems we're going to have with all this infrastructure money is the oversight of it. You know, that's... And that goes right back to my boom bust thing. When you, right. uh, you know, win the lottery, get all this money, and how are we going to manage that? Yeah. So excuse me. So that's a big area that we need to look at is is better management of all this, so that we actually build what we need. Yeah. And not more than yeah, or we don't build poorly. I Oversized think- key that is going to be huge. Absolutely. Well,
0: you, you've had some great, you know, what your policy is has been shown and what you've been doing the tax cap or excuse me, the spending cap, as well as the uh, you know, the process improvement side of things. And again, it was timely, right? So this works out beautifully because we're getting this infrastructure bill and all this influx of billions of dollars that will go to the ferry system. And the fact that you have process improvement plans in place is kind of a nice deal. Or, or coming. Yeah. Or coming, yes. Okay. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what's next. Obviously, there was a whole redistricting that happened, and now – your actual like where you're going to be campaigning, who you're going to be campaigning to has changed, correct?
1: Yes, pretty significantly. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, for so f- for those that were in my district 28, um, and and those that were in Laddie Shaw's district, there's pretty much been a swap. About 90 percent change, right? Yeah. Wow. Well, and. And, and so uh, I'm in a new district. It's more compact, Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, the hillside, um, and, and, uh, and goes all the way down to the Seward highway, but just a big rectangle. It's district 11 E now. So, um, so for this year, so I'm still the representative of district 28. Right. And I've always viewed that as, as like primarily like hillside, it doesn't matter as much 28 or you know, was it Laddie's district? There's a lot of similar issues, so right, um, and there's overlap in the community councils and all of that. So I'm already very well plugged in with you know the community councils right. and, and that. Um, so and and the, the needs of the district. So, but I'm I'm going to run again. I filed a letter of intent, and yep. I'm doing fundraising. And uh, the next one of those is on the thirtieth. Okay. At Fox Hollow Golf Course. What and, time is that at? Uh, it's about five thirty to seven thirty. So December thirtieth at Fox Hollow uh, Golf Course, which is okay. right along the Seward Highway. Yep. It's the Dome. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the driving range, and they they do soccer in there. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so uh, we're looking forward to that. And some may say, well, you know, the election is not until you know next November, um, but. You can't wait. You you yeah. have, you know, every two years and you have to start to build. And then I'm going to be building awareness in my new district. So as rep, I have to manage, uh, I have to be a good rep for District 28. Right. As candidate, I have to start to let District 11 know that, hey, I'm your rep now. Right. And all of us are busy. And if you're not plugged into politics, a lot of folks don't, you know, the districts and all that, it's complicated. And it's uh, also name
0: recognition again. With the ninety percent brand new district, yep. they so, know Laddie. Uh, some of them do. Now they've got to know you, and it's,
1: it's yeah. There's it's a doors. lot of work. There's doors I haven't been to. Yeah. Uh, but but actually going out, meet, meeting people at their doors, yeah. calling them and talking to them. That's something you know. We did a, a great job of outreach in the last campaign. You did. You and Nancy were phenomenal in that. And we hit lots of doors and 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 burned up lots of phone lines and had good conversations so we 're going to do that again um, and I have some advantage now i 'm in but that ethically i can 't use my office to campaign in any right. way, so I have to be i I have to do what i 'm going to do, which is I have to represent my current district right, and I have to uh, build awareness in my new district that this is coming, and we have uh, ranked choice voting yes. that that is going to be interesting so I think uh candidates and you know all, citizens all of us uh we have to learn that ranked choice game. Yeah. Uh, we have to learn our new districts um and we have we're going to really have to get engaged and not be put off by all of that um because that will be a real opportunity um for for my opposition. Yeah. Um and uh, I just like uh just like the last campaign I have a, a very ideological uh you know, far left yeah. uh, person running as an independent, right? And the independent route again, love it. Yeah. And so, in in my my last race, I was running against Assemblymember Suzanne LaFrance, mm-hmm. um, who was marketed to the public as a fiscal conservative, and you know, and the only logical choice um, for responsible governance. And ironically, sandwiched between two conservatives, if you got mm-hmm. the mailer, which was.
0: Yeah, uh, to say that was a lie would be kind. But go ahead. Yeah,
1: and, and I'm an elected official now, so I'll. I'll just, I think the term is falsehood. Yes, you falsehood. Know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So basically, it was a contrived uh, candidate. Um, you know, saying uh, things that weren't true on both sides. Right. And so we're going to have that again and and it, it will be like the last one i suspect very well funded mm-hmm. and very well uh coordinated with all the usual suspects right. there's every indication of that um you know with with support you know from uh from the usual suspects so it's gonna it's gonna be a challenge but um i'm happy to do it yeah and uh i'm looking forward to it unfortunately i've got to go uh Pull myself out of that a bit because uh, when you're in Juno, you're, you're busy being the legislator. Right. And so uh, the campaign will really kick off when I come back, but we'll do what we can yeah. um, in the meanwhile. Well, I think you've been a candidate that has held to your uh, campaign promises.
0: And I think you, can you say that. You've checked down the list. In addition to that, I think also people respect that, even though they may not always agree with every position. Like, you can't agree 100% with everything a candidate mm. does. I think with the one thing that everybody can say is that whatever what you ran
1: on is what you're actually implementing
0: or trying to
1: in Juneau. Yeah, I, I ran essentially on a balanced and reduced budgets, and so all of my decisions were around that. Yeah. Uh, the elephant in the room that you know the the size of the permanent fund dividend. Um, uh, There's folks that were concerned about the way I voted on that. But that wasn't my core promise. My core promise, let's get government under control. Right. Grow the dividend through controls and improvement. Um, because what I was worried about most, we have a wasteful government that would be enabled with new taxation, and we still would not have solved the problem. Right. And so it, that's tough because I'm talking about longer-term things, and then others are focused on more short-term solutions. Yeah. And in politics, arguing for a longer-term solution is one of the hardest things in the world. The the process is not aligned with that. It's aligned to, you know, the the next vote, the next... uh, Absolutely. 100%. So it's it's a little bit of... uh, of of a different way of proceeding, but it has the same goal. If we control Mm -hmm. what we're spending and if we control better the performance of what we're getting out of that spending, then the prosperity that people are looking for in two areas in the potential for a larger dividend and the, the, the growth of of our private sector in ways that has been ignored. Um, We've, we've had a lost decade uh, where we, we could have, you know, we we look at what Biden's doing now. or uh, We could have prepared for this right. by being more uh, willing to enable development up on the slope when it when it was in our court in terms of tax policy or yeah. or other things. So, I think we we can manage better, and out of managing better, we can get a lot more of what people are looking for. Well, the ancillary benefits to that, like you said, are you stave off
0: you know the the idea of a state income tax or the idea of sales tax because. Well, you're talking about people focusing on the PFD. The longer term is you keep those types of tax revenues away from discussions because you have a healthy uh, spending cap, which provides, like you were talking about, $18 billion rollover, rollover, uh, $3 billion back into our CRO. All of that is just massive. But you're right. It goes back to paragraphs versus headlines, right? Uh, everybody's looking yeah. for the next yeah, or- campaign slogan that they're doing, which— Effectively, only answers short-term questions
1: as opposed to long-term viability. Yeah, and you know, short-term needs are real. You know, the yeah. the, the the thing that you know it, everybody eats in the short term, right? You know, yeah. Uh, it, uh, so, I'm sensitive to all of it. The question is just how how do we manage there, and right. and and how do we get to that point? And the other thing that happens is if we make short-term decisions that lock us into a certain mode. Um, and my attitude was always, if you're going to talk about new taxes, let's have some serious cost and performance reforms in place. And so that was really the nut of it for me is that we don't have that right now. Right. And so let's get a good cap in place. Let's get some performance management stuff in place. And and let's, let's start to, uh, we were talking earlier about the idea of a cut versus a reform, right? Reform and improve. Um that's how business does it businesses that just cut a lot of times they're in crisis mode Right. and so if you don't have if you can if you can be in improvement mode rather than crisis mode um that's a better way to get to something sustainable because you don't have to make decisions that set you up for a long-term failure right so it's again it's not a bumper sticker <laughs> but but I, I I put the effort into having these conversations with people. And so generally people are surprised if they call me, I try to call them back. I can't get right. 100%. If they send me an email, I try to respond as best I can. Um, so I've had a lot of conversations with people about what we're doing, what we're trying to do, and the direction that we're steering in. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. I think we've had great conversation. We're
0: approaching 40 minutes, which is wow. awesome. It <laughs> flies by. But uh, I appreciate it, James. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, I just want to let people know that uh, I I actually... You're always a fun talk. You're, I love getting to know what you're doing and, and a lot of stuff you're working on. And like I t- said before, you really are a man of your word. So I appreciate well, that. Thank you. Um, so thanks for joining with me today. Really yeah, love it. Anytime. Absolutely. Uh, listen, if you haven't had a chance, we have great content out on mustreadalaska.com. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and go there. And if you want to support what we're doing and having great conversations like I just had with, with James, I, uh, I would highly recommend you go to mustreadalaska.com. And in the upper right, there's a donation. Button there. You can, anything helps because we want to make sure we're providing you with a well rounded view of the news. Also, if you haven't liked us on Facebook or subscribed and hit the notification bell on YouTube, you can do that as well. Or you can find us on here we go with the list Parlor, MeWe, Twitter, Rumble, all under the same handle, Must Read Alaska. All one word. Well, guys, thanks for joining with me. This was a great
1: conversation. Yeah, James. I just want to say Merry Christmas to everybody.
0: Yes, Merry Christmas. Happy Happy New Year. Year. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks, James, again. And uh, guys, until next time, take care, Alaska.